Man, I, I love that song. I, I do. In fact, I, uh, this week on Friday, uh, when I was finishing up my sermon notes, um, I texted Sean and I said, what songs are we singing Sunday? And he sent me a list and this, this last song that we sang was on there and my prayer was answered. So I was excited because I love that song. Uh, my daughters get sick of it because I listen to it pretty much every morning, afternoon, before I go to bed. Uh, if I'm in the shower, I don't sound as good as they do, but I love that song. I, I just think there's so much power in it, and it reminds us of our desperate need for Jesus. It reminds us that we're going to see him if we place our faith and trust in him one day. There's so much joy in that song. There's so much peace in that song. Um, and so there's a couple other people that sing it. Um, but my favorite version right now is Shane and Shane. There's a hymns album that they have. And the, they sing this as the first song. Then it goes into just a bunch of hymns. And it is excellent. And it, it is uh, filling uh, for my soul. And so this morning I had the opportunity and the privilege to preach at the 8 o'clock. And now I get the opportunity and privilege to do that this morning. And so I want to say thank you. I don't take it lightly. Uh, If you don't know who I am, I'm Jeremy, and I get to work with our students here. Uh, I've been a youth pastor now for the last 21 years. And so I've been able to uh, work with students and and, and get to see their lives uh, through the good and the bad. uh, And then to be able to pray for them and to, to teach them what it looks like to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And so, um, and out of that 21 years, the last nine years, I've gotten to serve here at Southern Hills. I love this church. Um, If you don't have a church home and you're looking today, um, man, make this your church home. Our family has fallen in love with this church. We love the people here. Uh, We love the opportunities that God gives us here. But most of all, we love to come together with you and to worship, to hear God's word taught, and then hopefully to go out into the community Um, and be a light for this world. And this morning, I'm going to be teaching over the topic of the God of all comfort. And so um, this morning, I wanted to to start with just a little bit of a story and just uh, some scriptures before we get into our main main text this morning. So over the last few months in my own life, God has been drawing my heart back closer than I can ever remember. It seems all around me, the people that I work with, the people that I live life with, even my friends that are uh, supposed to be friends that you just go and have a good time with, um, trials are hitting them in ways that I have, I've, I've never seen before. And a lot of that too is that I'm getting older. I understand that. There's different things that, that come with that. But even in my own life over the past couple of years, I haven't escaped those trials and, and tribulations and things that I've had to walk through personally. There have been moments where my heart and my mind were so overwhelmed that all I wanted to do was to go and to take a nap. Anyone else with me? Anyone else out there ever, ever uh, if someone asks you that last question and you're saying to yourself, I don't have anything left, you know, I'll answer your question and then I'm going to, to take a nap. And so uh, there's been moments where I can't wait to get home to take a shower. Um, really, I take baths. Um, I don't know. I do take showers too. I know that sounds weird, but when I was a little kid, at our house in Seminole, we didn't have really a heater. We had a partial heater, but if you turn that heater on, it'd be a thousand degrees in your home within about two seconds. And so my parents very rarely ever turned on the heater. And so how did you stay warm in the winter? 
you took a hot bath, okay? And so even now at 42 years old, my family will know, like, I, I have to take a bath before I go to bed because it's just become a part of my life. And I'll think about that throughout the day when you have to do certain things that are difficult, just to take a shower, take a bath, to get into bed and to pull up your covers as far as you can and to watch your favorite TV show. Anyone ever felt that way in this room? I know that I have. And I'm uh, supposed to be a minister, okay? And so there are those moments in our lives where we, we do need to uh, have those creature comforts, those things that allow us to, uh, to, to find a little bit of rest. But this morning, what I want to remind you is this, is that the Lord brought me to this passage that we're going to be teaching this morning to hopefully bring you comfort in the midst of your pain and your trials. Because the things that we turn to in this earth are only temporary, but Jesus is forever. Jesus is the person that will comfort you. Jesus is the one that's going to walk with you through your trials. Jesus is the one that's going to be with you when everything else fails. Because your friends will fail, your pastors will fail, your family will fail, but Jesus doesn't. He is faithful, he is true, and what he promises, he will do in your life. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, I am the subject of depressions of spirit so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to the, to the such extremes of wretchedness that I go to. Charles Spurgeon was a marvelous minister in London, and he was perhaps the greatest preacher that England ever produced. And yet he fought discouragement and trial and depression in his life. Discouragement is not picky on who it chooses. It's even... Even the greatest people that we can think of in this room and in our lives at some time will walk through sorrow, through sadness, and through grief. But in those moments of discouragement and in those moments of trials and in those moments of pain, where do we turn? And Paul does a great, great, great job of showing us where we should turn. The Apostle Paul was no stranger to trials himself. He was shipwrecked, he was beaten. He was thrown in jail. He lost friends. He lost what he thought that his life was going to be. But Paul said it best in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I, might, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith, faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and that I may share in his sufferings and become like him in his death. And by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from dead. Paul is about to write this letter of encouragement. He himself in this moment reminds us that everything that he had, if anyone had an opportunity to brag and to boast about who they were and how great they were and the knowledge that they have, it was Paul. And Paul chose to say, if I'm going to boast in anything, I will boast in the cross of Jesus because without him, I am nothing. And Paul shows us that and he teaches that in his scriptures. And Paul's not just saying to us as believers that this is what we need to do. He exemplified that. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul set an example for us to follow because of his deep love for Jesus. 
And Paul, this letter that we're going to look at in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this letter to the church of Corinth. For there are pastors that have raised up throughout this land that were teaching a false doctrine of teaching a different gospel. And he wanted to encourage the people not to listen to it. He wanted them to, to encourage them to not listen to false teachings, but to put their trust in Jesus, to remember what had been taught by him. But here's the thing that I love about Paul. He didn't just stop there. He's also writing this uh, to write to the people that are in the church, not just to write off those pastors that are doing uh, wrong, that are not preaching the full gospel of Jesus. But he says, walk alongside of them and encourage them. Show them what it looks like to be a Christ follower and bring them back into the fold and show them that what the true gospel is. And Paul, Paul speaks that to them. And so while Paul experienced troubles and trials, what was the secret to his life to keep him going? It was his relationship with Jesus. His view of Jesus was not based on material things or the recognition or the safety of a, free, a pain-free life. It was on how great it is and how great it was to serve Jesus Christ. His view of Jesus was so big because he knew that this was not his home. Paul was not confined to thinking about this as his home. He knew that if he was to stay here, it was for our benefit. But if it was to go to be with the Lord, it would be for his. It would be even greater. Paul loved Jesus. He loved what he had done in his life because Paul recognized that he was the chief of sinners. He recognized in his life that he could have been no use for the kingdom of God if God wouldn't have stopped him in his tracks on his way to Damascus and utterly changed his life forever. Paul went from, went from his knowledge, went from doing things on his own accord to a person that was changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he gave his life for it. And so this morning, I want to challenge us as we read these next scriptures to look into our hearts this morning and understand that if we are walking through trials, if we are walking through pain, if we are walking through things that we don't want to, how are we using that in our lives? And are we leaning in even closer to Jesus? Because maybe during those trials and maybe through those things, Jesus is trying to speak into your heart to do something that, he could, that you couldn't do on your own. And he allows those things to come into our lives to see our desperate need for him. Because if we go through life and everything's easy, we pretty much think that we can do it on our own. But when these things come into our lives, we look at that and we are reminded we can do nothing apart from Jesus. And so this morning I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, and then I'll pray. And we have three points this morning. Doug would be really sad with that because he'd want me to have five subpoints. But I'm getting you out of here to lunch on time, okay? And so I want to read this to you this morning. I want the words to enrich your life, and then I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to walk through these three points. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for, our, for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience. When you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffered, our hope is this, for you that it would be unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. 
We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we experienced in Asia. For as we were utterly burdened beyond our strength, that was despised, uh, despaired of life itself, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted through us through the prayers of many. Let's pray. Father, your word is true. And Father, we are thankful for your word and we are thankful for how it speaks truth into our lives. And Father, this morning, my prayer is, is that if we are walking through difficulties, if we are experiencing things that are rough in our lives, Father, would you remind us of how great you are and that you are walking with us? Father, would you give us a glimpse of how much you love us this morning? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So point one would be this, is that God is comfort. God is comfort. In verse three, it reminds us of this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And I want us to stop there and I want us just to think through that. There's a word in there that says mercies. Each morning, God gives us new mercies. He provides for us each and every day The mercies from yesterday, we're not storing up there. He provides new mercies each morning for us to be able to handle the trials and the things that'll come our way. His mercies are new each morning. And because of that, he also offers us comfort. He offers us a a way for us to make it in this world when everyone around us may be failing or other things may be coming into our way. We can find comfort and peace in Jesus. And Paul reminds, reminds the church here that our comforter is God. It is Jesus. And so he, it's not just that he, is our, that he is speaking these words, but he has seen this, the truth. And so how do we know that? How do we know that God is our comforter? Because he did not spare his son. God sent his son, Jesus, to this earth so that we could have salvation through him and not only have salvation through him, but live for him and point as many people as we can, even through trials, to how great Jesus is. Jesus left heaven, came here. He was beaten, he was bruised, and he was nailed to a cross. He was spit upon, he died, and he rose again, and now he is interceding on our behalf to the Father. That's our Jesus. Jesus didn't just speak about these things. Jesus came and he lived a life of perfection. He gave his life for us so that we would have salvation in him. And he set an example of what it looked like to be a person that walks through trials, who walks through pain and comes out on the other side and people are like, that is the son of God. That is Jesus. What a savior. What a friend. What a Lord. That is who Paul looks at. And so when Paul is able to be shipwrecked, when he's been beaten, whenever he's had to go through jail, when he's had to do all these different things, his comfort comes from knowing that that Jesus did the same and that Jesus walked this earth and that one day he will be with him. But yet while he is here and while he is talking to the churches, he is saying, when you walk through these things, don't try to find your comfort in in earthly things. You're under Christ because he is no stranger to your pain. Jesus experienced pain and trials on this earth, and he offers comfort and peace to us. 
He knew you and I would walk through trials, and he knew that the only thing that could allow you and I to continue in what we were doing is a relationship with him. He knows us, and he loves us. He offers us, and I want you to hear that again. Jesus knows us. Like He knows us. He knows us in our worst. He knows us in our best. Scripture says, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He knows us in the midst of my sin, and yet he still loves us. And he offers us comfort that only can be found in him, and his mercies are new each morning. He left heaven for us. No food, no friend, no money, no home, no car will ever bring comfort that will last. Only Jesus can do that. We need to rest in that today. Life is difficult. And I've heard it said many times that you're either walking into a trial, you're in a trial, or you're walking out of a trial. It's not if we experience pain, but when we experience pain. How are we going to walk through it? How are we going to live our lives? And Paul reminds us, and he reminds the church at Corinth, comfort only comes from the comforter, and that comforter is Jesus. In Romans 8.18, Paul reminds us again, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Paul reminds us that the true comfort only comes from Jesus, and Paul knows he has been forgiven much, and he knows that the comfort and forgiveness Jesus offers is the only thing that could have changed his life. I love, the, I love reading Paul. I love, I love reading about his life, but, I, but I, I can't help but think back to that road to Damascus as he was going to persecute and to kill more Christians. And that moment, God saw fit in the midst of that sinfulness to save him. And not only did he save him, he, he, he sent him into a town and the people were kind of like, whoa, aren't you the guy that's doing this? And Paul said, yeah, but I was, but Jesus has changed me. And what Paul did is, is he let his life be the example for others to follow because his view of Jesus was so big. He, he understood there was no way possible for me to do these things if Jesus hadn't saved me. He understood that there was no wealth, there was no knowledge, there was nothing in his life that was going to change the hearts of men except Jesus. And so when Paul was thrown in prison, when he was thrown uh, off a boat, when he, was, when he was beaten, when he was persecuted for the name of Christ, he was okay with that. Because he understood in those moments, Jesus was right there with him, offering him comfort. And he saw that comfort in Jesus. And so he preaches and he teaches to the church. He reminds them that you will face trials, you will face pain, you will face these things. But if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, he is walking with you and he is the greatest comfort that you will ever have. Rest in that. Trust in that. So that when you wake up tomorrow morning and things don't look exactly the way that they should, you say, it's okay, Christ is walking with me. God, what do you want to do with this today? God, what do you want in my life? And you trust him. And Paul, Paul reminds the church here and gives them this encouragement to say, before we move on and we do anything else, what I'm about to say to you, I need to remind you that the comforter is Jesus. He loves you. He has a plan for you. And he wants you to trust it. The second thing that we see here in verses four through six is that God uses comfort from, from us to others. 
Who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction? With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. It is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Paul reminds the church in those moments that you will have these things, but look to my life, look to Jesus and remind and remember that my life is pointing to how great Jesus is. And so follow that. Understand that you'll have to walk through these things. When we as believers in Jesus Christ cling to the comfort found in Jesus, it is not just for our own benefit. It is not that we have, that we have suffered, that we learn to see. It's, it's this. It is so that after we have suffered, that we learn to see people the way that Jesus sees them. When you suffer, when you walk through trials, when you do these things, it is to draw you closer to Jesus. But it's not just to keep that inside of you. It is to share it. Paul reminds the church here, he's like, it is not just that God is going to comfort you, but he has comforted you so that you can show others the same comfort that you have in Jesus Christ. And this world desperately needs to see that. Like if you watch anything on TV, we, we are so mean. Like our hearts are depraved. Like what we do and how we act most of the time, not us really in here. But if you watch TV and you watch different things, respect is gone. The way that we do things is, is weird. And it all points to the desperate need that we have for Jesus. And Paul reminds us in this moment that as believers, he is walking with us that if we walk through suffering, it's so that we can go and share that same love and comfort with others. We begin to love and walk with people who are experiencing pains and trials. We are then to go and to comfort others in the same way Jesus, Jesus has comforted us. The trials in our lives are not merely for us to learn from or to grow from. They should cause a sense of love for others. I want you to hear that. Your trials and your pain should stir up inside of your heart a love for others that are walking through the same thing. That you should see people the way that Jesus sees them and it should cause you to go and to give them that same comfort. It has to be stirred up in our lives. And so we have to go and we have to minister to them because we are thankful I want you to hear that this morning because we are thankful that God has showed his comfort towards us. And Paul reminds the church that you have to be thankful in that. Courtney and I, when we first got married, we lived in McKinney, Texas. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to McKinney, but McKinney, when I lived there, is not the McKinney of today. Basically, McKinney is Dallas. Um, We worked at a church that uh, somewhere along the way decided that Jesus wasn't the priority in everything that we do. So they decided that they would allow certain things to happen and that that Jesus wasn't the authority over certain things. And so I told my wife, I can't take a paycheck from this church. And she said, I agree with you. And I said, I don't have a church to go to. And she said, it's okay. And so I walked away from that church and we hung Christmas lights. We mowed lawns. We did everything we could for seven months. Um, And all the while, every morning saying, God, what are you going to do? God, we, 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 gave this, we gave these things up. We were following you. And all through, the, through that time, Jesus, in my mind, some days I woke up and thinking, man, are you going to give me a break? And this entire time, Jesus was pruning and he was working in my heart. He was, he was delivering in my own heart the areas that I needed to get rid of as well. And I'll never forget coming home one night and, uh, to our living room and we opened up our door 
and we had a big Christmas tree, and it was in December, and our tree was not on, and I always leave the tree on, and I tried to turn on the lights, and none of the lights came on, and I remember, like, oh, man, and I looked outside, and there was a little red tag on our, on our electric box, and you know what that means. Your electricity is cut off. My wife is coming home in a few hours, and so as a husband, um, panic began. I'm like, what do I got to do? So I called them, and they're like, hey, like, I've been paying like half of this. And they're like, yeah, you only owe $37, but it's 700 to turn it back on. And I'll never forget like feeling just so desperate in that moment. Going, what am I going to do? And I remember just sitting down and my wife came home. We, we prayed through it and she said, I don't know. Um, John and Midge helped us, which was great because that's what in-laws do. Um, but I'll never forget sitting, sitting in that room. And I said, well, we can just worship the Lord. And we broke out a guitar and we just sang because we didn't have anything else to do. And in those moments, what, what, what God taught me is, is that my reliance, even in those moments I'd left the church, even though I thought that I was following what he wanted, I was still relying upon myself, that I couldn't fix this thing. And what Jesus was saying, would you just rely on me? Would you trust me? And so what happened in those moments is this, it changes and it changed the way that I perceive and see people. It did. So when a person walks into these doors, when a person walks in and says, I, my electricity is about to be cut off, my automatic response is, why didn't you pay it? That's not my response anymore. It's what can I do to help you right now? What can I do in these moments to bring comfort? I'm not going to be able to pay for it, but what can I do to make sure that, that we do our best to help you? Or when a student walks in and they're, they've lost their father or they've lost their, their loved one, I experienced that. Let me walk with you through that. And this is how Jesus, though painful and though hard, he walked with me. And these things, these trials are going to come. Your electricity may get cut off again. Your life may not look exactly like it's supposed to, but that's okay. Because if you have Jesus, you have everything. And I can stand here in this pulpit this morning and I can tell you that because I experienced that. God has been faithful not just today, but yesterday. He will be faithful tomorrow. He is faithful every single day. But those trials and those things that he reminds us is, is they're not just for our own benefit, but they are for us to see people the way that Jesus sees them. But you remember your comfort was found in Jesus, and so you try and show that comfort to others. Paul is reminding us and the church in Corinth to love and to show comfort to those walking through trials. Though your, though your trials remain, Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 12.10, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And in those moments of weakness, in those moments of pain, in those moments of trials, we can be strong, not because of who we are, but because of the person of Jesus Christ that lives in us. And I know that may sound cliche, and I, may, I know that may sound like, well, I don't, like I hear preachers say that all the time. I am telling you it is the truth. When Jesus changes your life, it changes every area of your life. And when Jesus changes you, there should be a difference in your life. There should be a way that you look at people, you look at them not with your own human eyes that are, that are skewed, but you look at them the way that Jesus would approach them. And Paul reminds the church as these preachers had moved away from, from teaching the gospel, yes, we need to rebuke, and yes, we need to have them come back into the fold, but it is your responsibility to walk alongside of them. 
And so when a fellow believer makes a wrong choice or someone in your life experiences a pain, it is our responsibility as a church that believes in Jesus and has surrendered our lives to him to walk alongside of them and to bring them back. And thank God that Jesus did that in Peter's life, that he did that in Paul's life, that he did that in numerous lives, that he didn't just leave them in their sin or didn't leave them in their trials, but he came back and he walked faithfully with them. And church, that is our call. And if Jesus has changed your life, and if you have experienced trials, you are to see and to love others the way that Jesus does. And then finally, he offers us this. Comfort during trials produces a glory to God. And that's what I love about Paul. That's what I love about what he does. Is he is never pointing to self. And I, and I go back to it every single time because his view of salvation and how great Jesus is, it changed him. It radically changed him. And so when you read this in verse eight, it says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had, we had received the sentence of death but he changes it here, and I love this. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, I want you to hear this this morning, on him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he will deliver us again. We will get to experience and be with him for eternity. And so these momentary afflictions that Paul talks about, these trials, we walk through them so that we can bring others alongside of us so that we hopefully have the opportunity to move away from self and to be reminded of how great Jesus is and try to bring as many others as we can along with us. And Paul reminds us and he reminds the church and as Paul walked through his trials, he understood that it would be difficult. He knew it would be hard and it would cost him something. Even here, Paul was saying he thought his life was ending in death because of his trials. But he understood that his calling of his life was not going to happen on his own wisdom or his own strength. Paul in these moments reminds us and the readers of this letter, you can't do what God is going to call you to do on your own. You can't forgive that person that maybe killed your son. You won't have the strength to wake up tomorrow after you've lost that loved one. You won't be able to face your wife when the electricity has been cut off on your own. And Paul reminds us it, it is and has never been about our own strength. It is about the power of Jesus actively, daily, morning and evening working in us and in you. And Paul reminds us that the power to move forward is not found in a self-help book or a great blog post. It is found in the power of and the comfort of Jesus Christ. He is the reason you can face the day and he is the reason you can keep going. Those trials remind us that it is not about me, but it is about me clinging to Jesus and walking closely with him each and every day. The only thing that they can say when, when trials come your way our goal and our aim and our lives should be that when we walk through trials and someone sees that and they see that you are unshaken, that you continue on, that you walk forward, not dismissing the pain, 
not dismissing the trial, not dismissing your, your grief, not dismissing those things, but there is something different. The only thing that people should be able to say is, is that that person is with Jesus, that that person walks with Jesus. There is something different about that person. And in those moments when you have those times, when you faithfully walk with Jesus and you exemplify how great he is, then others around you want to experience that same Jesus. Our problem is most of the times we don't display how great Jesus is. We just don't do it. And so what Jesus is asking and what Paul is reminding us is that regardless of your circumstances, regardless of where you are, regardless of how great your house is or how big your account is or how little you have, if you have Jesus, you have it all and you should live like that. There should be a difference. The way that you drive through Carl's Jr. to get your breakfast in the morning, those people should know that you walk with Jesus. Those people that you see at your grocery store or that you're getting gas, you should build relationships with people in this community so that they know that you love Jesus. It is not no longer enough to have lip service. In this world that we live, it desperately needs Christians to raise up and to live a life that shows others how great he is. And we've become laxed in a lot of ways in our lives, including myself. This summer when I broke my leg, and I know for most people were like, well, that's just not a big deal for me. It was a huge deal because I had to sit in a chair and I had to evaluate every day, God, what do you want? Am I doing what you want? And God just began to prune again. He began to work and he began to say, I am preparing you in a season that's coming up so that you can comfort others with the experience that you're experiencing right now. So here I am today preaching a message from the scriptures that God comforted me with. I'm not preaching to you something that is just like, well, that's, a, that's one of the ones that is pulled off a shelf. Guys, I'm walking through this. Paul reminds us in the church that comfort is Jesus, that comfort, comfort is not just for us, but we have to share it. And ultimately, it is to display the desperate need for Jesus in our lives each day. The glory is his, and it will never be mine or yours. And so Paul reminds us in these scriptures, he pushes it back to, yeah, I'm walking with Jesus. Yeah, I'm doing these things. Yeah, I'm walking through trials. But ultimately, all these things are not for myself, but they are for the glory of God. I just get the opportunity to teach it. So when tragedy happens like it did and more just a few weeks ago, what we see is this. We see people who have been comforted by the comforter, and they are comforting others and pointing them to Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Man, I was on that campus at Moore High School, and I had nine years of being here. I never was asked to speak on that campus. That day, I got to speak on that campus, and I got to share the hope of Jesus Christ with those students. I was able to say, as the last point was, that you are not promised tomorrow. And church family, we are not promised tomorrow. What I have seen and what, 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 what I've seen throughout our community, and there are people in this church that work there, there's people in our church that, that give their lives for students and for people daily. Guess what? Those people that are comforting and walking with those people at Moore High School have experienced pain and trials in their life, and what they're doing with it is, is turning it and saying, Jesus walked me through this, and guess what? He's going to walk us through this. He's going to be faithful. I love that. I don't like the trials. I don't like the pain. 
I wish my leg worked properly. I wish that I could still play basketball. I wish I could do crazy things. But I wouldn't trade any of those moments of being alone with the Lord and him speaking into my, into my life again saying, I need you back here. I need you to remember how great I am. I need you not to forget how I walked with you through all of these times. And I need you to tell others about it. I need you to tell them so that they can see that I am great and that it has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with the Father. It has been hard. In fact, in my life, I can stand here and say that my, even my own life hasn't been easy, but I have seen a faithful comforter walk with me each time. When trials come, they remind me that I am just passing through and this is not my home. And I, I want you guys to hear that because the, the whole thing of the sermon where it started from was those words, this is not my home. I believe that these trials that we walk through and, the, and the, the pain that we walk through and even in Paul's life that he's writing to us and writing to the church, they are to remind us not to be comfortable here. That yeah, it's fun to go to Disney World. I love it. It's fun to go to baseball games. It's fun to do all those things. But ultimately, this pales in comparison to one day being with Jesus. And those trials are to remind us that this isn't our home. And so as you pass through, as you walk through, what are you leaving behind? What's the legacy that you leave? Trials stir up in my heart and hopefully in yours that I need Jesus. So we should set our eyes towards him daily and be reminded he is for us, not against us. That he loves us, and that this world that we walk in desperately needs to hear that. So last night, I finished up my message. I typed it all in. And on that album that I told you about with Shane and Shane, one of my, when I got saved, Tis So Sweet was played when I was eight years old. And Shane and Shane do such a great job with that. But last night, I was listening to it, and the words just destroyed my heart because it was so good. And it says, oh, for grace to trust him more. I am so glad that I have learned to trust him. Not that I've figured it out, but that I've learned to trust him. Precious Jesus, he is our savior and he is our friend. And I know that he is with me and hear this, and he will be with me to the end. Oh, how sweet it is to trust Jesus. It is good. And church, it is our responsibility to share that truth with others. This world needs Jesus. People need comfort from somewhere, and they have turned to everything in this world, and it's brought them nothing. Oh, but there is one that will bring comfort, and it is Jesus. And if you know him today, it is your responsibility to share it. If you don't know him today, Accept him as Lord and Savior and give your life to him. If your heart heart has gotten hard and just like mine at certain points, the altar is open for you to come and pray or pray with someone around you and ask the Lord to soften your heart to see people the way that Jesus sees them. And when we do that, church family, there is going to be a revival that will start. But it starts in our hearts. It starts in us and how we appear and how we work every day to make sure that we are walking with Jesus, that we fight for that time in the morning and we fight for that time in the evening. So if you'd stand at this time, I'm gonna pray for us. 
And if you need Jesus, the altar is open. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the truth that's found in your scriptures. God, I am thankful for the truth that you have laid in my own heart. God, how you have rebuked and how you have pruned and how you have worked through all the areas of my life and how you continue to be. And so, Father, I pray this morning above all that if someone doesn't know you as Savior, that today is the day of salvation, that they would give their lives to you. And Father, for the ones that need comfort and peace in their lives, Father, may we be a church that walks alongside of them because we view you for as big and as high as you are and that we show that love to a world that needs it desperately. Jesus, this is your time. It's in your name we pray.